0: Hello and broadcasting from the beautiful central coast of California, it's the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show. (laughs) Welcome back to a late night edition of the Dr. That Danger Radio
1: Show!
0: With your boys, James and Edward.
1: I'm Edward. What's up, everybody?
0: Yeah, we're here to talk about spooky shit. And by spooky shit, we are here to bring another Iced Earth album review because fuck our lives.
1: And we're also here to talk about uh, the third decline of Western civilization film. Because we've been watching that. Yes. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, just get into it. How was your week? Um, my week for the most part? Remember, listeners, we do have timestamps. Thank you. I, I, I just wanted to be able to say that for once but no how was your how was your week
0: well my week was pretty chilling for the most part like work has now slowed down i don't mm-hmm. feel like i'm dying but i do need new shoes though i need to get new shoes and get mm, proper insoles That's and true. stuff but then that work is going smooth for the most part um i have been i finally have a proper weekend where cool. i just sit back and relax and then yeah no it's just for me The only real goal right now is that I'm prepping Corpse Thrower for a video performance shoot. So we finally got a set list together. We met up as a full band last night. And then, yeah, after that, we raged, grabbed Tri-Tip Sammys, and we're just being parking lot thrashers, bumping Motorhead, talking about (laughs) shows and shit. But that's like that. Other than that, I could tell you how work is, oh, hey, I clean and mop and shit. I did janitorial stuff. Big whoop. (laughs)
1: My, Ooh, exciting! My week's been a little interesting. One, note, one thing noteworthy of today. Um, today was a big. Uh, <clears throat> today was a big deal uh, politically because President Joe Biden, uh, is the first U.S. president to officially, as president, uh, acknowledge the Armenian genocide. He did that today.
0: Now, my question is, why has no one acknowledged it in the first place?
1: Well, the answer to that is tricky, but to summarize it, um. Turkey is a major al was at one point, a major ally to the U S Okay, um, and they're one of the places, if I remember right, it could be wrong, but they were one of the places where we got, uh, one of the places where we got our oil from. Um, so there was that kind of stuff. And, uh, Turkey as a country has denied the, uh, the gen it being what they did to the Armenians as a genocide. And, but they don't just stop at Deny it. They teach it in schools. They have protests and rallies in Turkey, that are for not acknowledging as a genocide. It's complete brainwashing. It's insane. But yes, today, and it's a personal cause for me because you've all heard me mention my Mexican heritage. Well, the other half of that coin is my mother is Armenian. And I grew up learning about that and stuff. And I'll tell you something, it's, it's rough to... Know, It's rough seeing it, and every president on their campaign year after year is always like, oh, I promise to acknowledge the genocide formally, but they never do. Joe Biden's the first one to do that. I still have my reservations about the guy, but, you know, there's a part of me where I'm like, hey, you know what? (sighs) Took 107 years, or 106, but at least the U.S. finally acknowledges it. Now, I hear the reason why the U.S. finally decided to do it is because I think they're pissed at Turkey because because of some, like... Ally thing or some uh, some like deal thing that went down. I don't actually know, but I'm just, I'm just taking I'm just taking it at face value for now. You Know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. The only other thing is, uh, I got back into uh Dragon Ball Fighters. Oh,
0: tight! How was
1: that? Are you getting your ass how whipped? Do, how do I say this? You getting your ass whipped? Everybody is fucking Goku. Every match. Everyone's got it's a just Goku. Goku. It's just Goku. You, there, there's still Bardock. Bardock's still really strong, and there's Broly. Broly, uh, original Broly. Original Broly's no bullshit. Yamchas, bro. I haven't seen any Yamchas in the last few days. What? But, but OG Broly's bullshit because they give him. It's a thing in fighting games called super armor or something. Basically, when they're doing an attack, they can't be interrupted. It's slow and has a wind up, but. And Broly's like the slowest mover, but because Fighters is so fast-paced, it doesn't even matter. He just gets you every time. And they also have new Broly in there uh, from uh, from the new Broly movie for Super, which he's Broly, but he's faster. So, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Does he's- he still have a Super Armor? No, you know, he does not. So you can't interrupt his attacks. Yes, and it's not like original Broly does it for every attack. That one's a little weird, though, because it's a different voice actor for him. Because, like, the OG Broly voice actor, Vic Mignogna got hit with some accusations like a year or two ago. So he so new Broly got replaced for the game with Johnny Young Bosch, whose uh, most famous English dub role is probably... Uh, you know, the protagonist from Trigun. Tight. Yeah. Um, so, wait, are you saying the guy got pinned for w- accusations? Me too, me too type
0: of stuff. So, the guy that got Me Too was the guy that voiced Broly in Since, the Super Movie or the mm, old Broly?
1: No, he voiced him from Legendary Super Saiyan until the Super Movie. He, he's been voicing him for like 20 years. So, wait, it was the OG Broly voice in the <laughs> Super Movie? Yeah, that was the OG Broly in the movie, and he's uh, OG Broly in the game, but they just added in movie Broly, like, last year, I think.
0: And they switched up the voice they actor, because Homeboy
1: voice actor. got me too Yes. Do you know how many Gokus are in this game? A lot. There's Super Saiyan Goku. Okay. There's Super Saiyan Blue Goku. Okay. Um, there is Kid Goku, but it's not oh. Kid Goku from Dragon Ball. It's Kid Goku from GT. Cool. Does he turn in Super Saiyan 3 and fuck shit up? No, he turns in Super Saiyan 4. Um, and fuck shit up. And fuck shit up, yeah. But, well, no, it's only for his finisher. But yeah, there's that. There's Ultra Instinct Goku. Oh, that sounds shitty. And then they threw in Vegito. Oh. and then they That sounds th- evil. And then they, who's like the fastest character in the game almost.
0: Wait, Vegito's <clears throat> the fastest?
1: Okay, I know. Over Ultra Instinct. He it, it, all his moves are primarily kicks. So wait, is he like faster than uh he feel, he, Yamcha? To, to me, he feels like faster. And I only know that because I play his hit, who has the counter, and like it's a thing where like I can block every character, hit X, and if they attack me, I get it. Vegito's the only one when I press X, no matter how fast I do it, his kicks are too fast. So they have they have him. They also have Gogeta from the new movie. Oh shit. And they also threw in uh, just recently Super Saiyan 4 Gogeta from GT. So that's uh, six and a half Gokus. Damn. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. That's a lot of Gokus. And all the teams are just Gokus. It's if like, it, literally, like,
0: each team's just a stack of Goku's.
1: Most of the time? No if, one
0: plays with anyone if it's else. it's not
1: Ultra... It, 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 there's usually Ultra... In, the most common one I've seen is just Ultra Instinct Goku and, like, the two Gogetas. Or it's one of the Gogetas and Vegito. That sounds really fucking cheaty. It fucking... It fucking blows. <laughs> but it's still fun. I still, I still have my team. Goku, Black, Hit, and Kid Buu. It still works, but... Fuck! When you meet someone that no life practices those combos, oh bro, those online matches are brutal because you can't do anything. I guess you get worked. You, you, get, you get worked. You get slaughtered. Speaking of slaughter, um, um where are you going with Let's this? slaughter this Iced Earth album. All right, sweet so yeah. Let me grab the timestamp real quick. Um, okay, everybody. So, what do we listen to this time? We listen to Framing Armageddon. Something Wicked This Way Comes Part One by Iced Earth. This uh, this is considered... So, musically speaking, people seem to agree that these Something Wicked albums, you know, the one we did a few weeks ago, this one, and then the next one, this is like primo Iced Earth. This is them at their best. And quick summary on the album before we get to the tracks. I thought the album was okay. Um, two words, though. 19 songs.
0: Yeah, very fucking long. I can tell you this. <laughs> this album for sure, because the last one was actually shockingly good. Yeah. I actually was willing to give credit where it is. And honestly, this is definitely a step down from the last one. But this hasn't been one of the worst Ice Earth albums. But yes. it's the like same issue that plagues most ice earth albums. It's fucking boring. It's fucking long. <laughs> can it please go away? But there was sick riffs in this album. So yes. it
1: honestly kept me kept my attention better than some others. Track one's track one is titled Overture. It's a two-and-a-half-minute instrumental. Um, honestly, I thought it sounded kind of cool. It has this sick-ass cello with this nice tribal beat, accenting acoustic guitars. It actually feels like epic. There's choirs and shit. It goes into track two, which is called Something Wicked Part One on Something Wicked Part One. Uh. Uh, and my boner almost went away, be, metaphorically, because he opens this song with fucking triplets, bro. Oh, It was Am. Are you getting tired of the triplets yet, bro? (laughs) It was Am, but I was riding the high off of how cool the intro was, so it sounded all right to me. You're just
0: like, fuck, guy. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) Versus we're all right. You know, Ripper rips it up. Song feels a little boring because it spends like... This first song was weird. This song is like five-ish minutes, I think, but the whole song is just built. This song literally just builds up and doesn't go anywhere. Like, Sounds like it, a lot of
0: Ester songs, but this really well, the, does uh, it. Yeah, Like but there is also the issue that a lot of songs <coughs> tend to freaking blend into each other. And like, it I takes, can at least distinguish. There's a difference
1: to some songs, while other songs yeah. are just like "fuck, bro." And like, and like, it takes three minutes to get to the chorus, but there's no explosion. It just feels flat. Tight. And it ends with the drums going like dun 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 like twelve times. Dun, dun. As choirs bum, choir. Bum. Track three is called Invasion. It's a minute-long interlude, which, see, the interludes trick me because the official time for this record is like an hour and six minutes. But because there's so many of these instrumentals, it it, it, it tricks me into thinking the album is going by fast. Uh-huh, Aha, <laughs> so, no. Uh, there's a lot of weird noises. Sounds like winds and destruction. Because this is yeah. a concept album, everybody. He's yeah. trying to tell you a story. What is that story? Maybe I should pull that up. While you review the tracks. Yes. Track four is another interlude track, but with vocals. Oh, <laughs> called there's motiv-
0: vocals on this
1: track. Oh, my fucking God. No called, way. Called motiv- Holy shit. Wasn't the
0: last one just we hear like freaking like Star Wars guns and people like yeah. slaughter
1: cries. Yeah. Uh, it's called Motivation of Man. It's a minute and a half. It tells the story of man evolving, like, I guess. I guess. Track five is called the Setian Massacre, a full blown double bass power metal track. It's huh. cool. Oh, sounds like you're by the numbers, power metal track. It doesn't sound like it doesn't sound just like an Iron Man ripoff, uh, and it's not annoyingly prog. I guess I can say I liked it. It's just under four minutes, it's an easy listen. Cool. Track six is called A Charge to Keep, and I must say, I appreciate how the songs mostly flow into each other. It makes it all feel connected. That's well, a, big it's a thing concept album. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So he's trying to play Storywriter, bro. It starts off as a chuggy kind of thing. Uh Ripper Owens' vocals are always, are absolutely rad and when the epic vocals come on it doesn't like it doesn't sound weird when they do their like multi-layering of vocals because Ripper is singing along with himself. He's not singing along with uh, Matt Barlow tracks like on the last one because as we've established Ripper Owens does not sound like Matt Barlow.
0: No, it does not. <clears throat> Which is, it still feels fresh. I'm still feeling yeah. I I do enjoy Ripper's <clears throat> voice. I'm going to say it. No, I feel like I like Ripper's voice a little yes. bit more. He's your third favorite singer. God.
1: You know, you don't understand. To this day, I just want to curl up in a ball and die every time I hear that story. Lemayo, dude. The song isn't anything too special, but it's not bad. It had a sick solo, and I thought the chorus was good, which isn't that all you can really ask for from a power metal band? That's it's all I have want. Some cool guitar solos and good choruses. Yeah. It, well, it's not, and maybe some double kick. <clears throat> it's not John Schaefer doing the solos because he I always forget. He writes the songs, but he's a rhythm guitarist. He doesn't usually do the solos. Yep. He didn't really start doing the solos actually, apparently, until like the Stu Block era. Oh. <clears throat> Trax- he's doing solos? Well, Um, in later works, I guess so. (laughs) Track seven's called uh, Reflections. It's another transitional track. It's a minute 50 with some nice vocals over it. Uh, Fun fact, I found out that the guitarist who plays the pretty acoustic guitar on this um, song is a guy named Tim Millis who formed something called who formed his own brand of pickups called bare metal pickups, bare knuckle pickups. Oh, yeah. Where are you going with this? Or are you just saying well, a uh, fact? Nah, just stating the fact. And all if right, his tight. if his pickups are as good as his playing, you know, might have to get me some. Uh, I'm trying to think, I don't know. Just get a more Dunkins. That's all you need. At <laughs> least in the track eight, ten thousand fit. I'm sorry, strong, ten thousand strong. Oh shit,
0: we're like almost halfway. Almost
1: halfway through. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, let's just go by quick. Now this is like the one song. This is like the first Ester song I ever listened. It's the first, Was it really? Yes, this is the song that made me actually want to, like, get into Ice Earth and stuff.
1: I still think this song's super cool, but the rest of the album can kind of eat shit. So, yeah. <laughs> um, opens up with a gnarly, like, a really gnarly scream, double bass riff. It sounds pretty yeah. Iron Maiden, though, bro. But in, like, most Iron Maiden, it was kind of boring. This track actually didn't do much for me. It felt like filler. Really? Well, this is one I of the singles. Lo- oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, track nine's called Execution. It's, a, it's another it, transitional track. Yep, minute twenty seven. It's quiet. Uh, it leads into the chuggy, heavy track ten, Order of the Rose. And when I saw the name of this track, my fucking sad ass weeaboo ass read that as Order of the Rose, and I was like, "Yo, oh whoa, Goku Black, ooh, woo. but that was ooh.
0: way before Goku Black. Obviously, <laughs> I-, I think I were to Weeb over here. He
1: only like he only sees no. things in Weeb. But no, it was a neat song. Um. Yeah, it, it was all right. Track 11 is called Cataclysm, another interlude track. You know, if you stripped away like all the interlude tracks on this album, you'd have like an 11, 10 minute pretty solid album. I'm not saying I don't like the transition tracks, but it bloats out the runtime, bro. Dude,
0: there's just, dude, straight up. Any issue with all oh, fucking Ice Earth this? They don't need to go so long. <laughs> Fuck, bro. Why does no one needs to go this long? This sucks. I will admit- There's no reason. <laughs> this is like you go this long for a one and done. But this, this is just bullshit. Every fucking <laughs> album, it has to be a fucking hour long. And
1: literally like a freaking third of it does not need to be there. I, I'll admit it kind of retroactively makes me appreciate like the first four studio albums because those were all in and out in like 45 minutes. Were they? There Most was like fifty minutes. Some of them.
0: It was like, yeah, but now where is the hour? Just like, fuck, dude, seriously, this is
1: like. How? Why? No. <laughs> I did like the atmosphere that Cataclysm created. There was a lot of rumbling and thunder, magic shit happening. It was cool. Yeah, because I guess there's a lot of shit going on in this story. Track 12 is the sole epic, like, you know, epic song on this album. And it's like the only real ballad, I think. Yeah. And it's called The Clouding. And you know what? I'll say this. Um, Because this album is yeah, actually. Album. Yeah, I don't want to say that. Because this album is like actually paced kind of well. I enjoyed the song. I like the cloudy. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think Schaefer writes some pretty good ballads.
0: Yeah, no, this song was really cool, too. When I first saw it was nine minutes. I kind of skipped through it, but I basically got to go. I I have a good feeling the first part of the song is you're still going to most likely still here for five minutes. And then you get <laughs> yeah. the
1: last like cool chuggy riff part in the end. Oh, yeah, because this song felt kind of proggy, but it's not like actual prog it's like pink floyd prog and pink floyd prog is when you have a simple solid idea and you just add on to it you just keep adding things you know you're not doing some flashy intricate pretentious bullshit not much more to say i enjoyed it uh five and a half minutes ends like like you said it's when the mid-paced heaviness comes in and it's cool yeah no pretty fucking tight track 13 is infiltrate and assimilate so we went from simple and cool to I couldn't call this song complex, but it's definitely trying to be spicier. It's trying to be spicier. Again, not much to say. I'm going to a st- little spoiler. Um, after, it's funny, because after song 12 ended, I was sitting here to myself I'm like, oh, man, that was a good song. But then I'm like, oh, fuck, there's seven more songs. And
0: yes, so- <laughs> I heard that. It's like, dude, after the clouding, honestly, it should have stopped.
1: <laughs> but it kept on fucking going. Um, Seriously, Fuck. Track 14 is reckoning through the ages and like, dude, I'm telling you, the tracks 13 and 14, this album took a dump for me a bit. These songs did like nothing for me. I don't know what it was. They just, I didn't really care about them. Track 15 is Something Wicked Part 2 on Something Wicked Part 1. It's got dope acoustics and percussion. Sounds pretty cool. The electric cars come in. It's cool. It's a transitional track. I forgot, but it's just under three minutes. Oh,
0: it's under 3 minutes. Ooh. Yeah. Wow.
1: See, I thought it was I was reading it cuz I thought it was an actual song, but then there was no vocals and I'm like, "Wait, was that a fucking transition track?" Okay, cool. Yep. Track 16 is called The Domino Decree. I liked how it started out with this total these total like yes sounding keyboards. I was like, "Oh, that's sick," but then it just kind of became generic power metal for a bit and I was oh, bummed. Yeah. But then I don't know, the verses came back and it sounded like this is probably going to sound stupid. The verses sounded like vaguely gothic like with their sh- lyric structure. Gothic is probably the wrong word, but they, they, I, I just, I like. Oh other no,
0: maybe work. they got dangerous for a second. Oh, they, <laughs> they got dangerous for a second. Ooh,
1: it's six and a half minutes. It wasn't as boring as it could have been. The bridge had a fucking keyboard solo, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude! Keep ripping off, yes, bro! Fuck your maiden worship, <laughs> for realsies. Um, but yeah, uh, track seventeen is called "Framing Armageddon." This song. Yeah. <laughs> So, after an album of, like, you know, while mostly samey music, there was still some decently different stuff going on. This song sounded like prototypical Iced Earth. And you want to know how it did that, viewers, listeners? This album opens up with two words. Fucking triplets, bro. Fucking triplets, <laughs> But ironically... Bro. I ended up actually pretty I actually ended up liking the song. It actually Sight. felt kind of cool. Uh, Ripper's hitting those aggressive high notes. Um, and then at the end when he's screaming, framing arm again, and he held that like last note for a little bit, that sounded pretty cool. Because
0: Ripper's a good vocalist.
1: Yes. But I, as I wrote here on my notes, I'm like, this is a good song, but like I, I wrote, I did not need those triplets, 17 songs into an album yeah 18's called When Stars Collide Born Is He Chuggy big huge song with a bunch of vocal layers it's simple but I liked it again it actually had that it had like you know an actual epic feeling it was right. and then last fucking song is Awakening And ironically, well, I guess you can't call it. We're
0: on the last song now.
1: Yeah. Track 19. Fuck. Finally. Yeah. um, Holy shit. I can't say it's a transitional track, but uh, because it ends after this.
0: Well, it's a transitional track to what I'm guessing is the next album, which is the second part of his concept story.
1: Yeah. And I I tested it, by the way. I threw on like the first two tracks of uh, Something Wicked Part 2, and it's not like perfect, but yeah, it actually flows. Cool. Like if you played them back to back, they sound like they could have been on the same album. And yeah, that was something wicked part one. Um, how so I was curious and I wanted to look up some like reviews for this record to see what people thought about it. And I made a very aggravating, I made a very, yeah, aggravating discovery. There's a subsection of iced earth fans oh, fuck. that completely unironically prefer the earlier thrash stuff because I saw it on a, for a couple albums like horse show and especially the Glorious Burn. I'm like, whatever. But then I went back and looked, and like almost all of their albums after the dark saga are filled with people saying, Well, it's not as cool as their early thrash stuff. So you know, the first two albums in the fucking purgatory demos. So that pissed me off because I'm like, they their thrash metal shit. I fucking think their sucks. Worst, I think it's their worst
0: stuff. I don't know what fucking thrash those fucking peeps are going getting down for, but fucking yeah, no. But yeah, I, I, I like, didn't the like album, that
1: album. Hot take: This is probably a controversial opinion. I'm just gonna say it. My favorite Iced Earth stuff has been the Ripper shit. That's fine Laurie's with me. Loris Burn was pretty good. Yo, and I'm pretty
0: good. And I fucking don't like Iced Earth, so freaking. I'm <laughs> fine. Like so far, the Ripper stuff has been like. The most, like, enjoy, like, least boring listens. Yeah. Like, this album had, like, good riffs every now and then. Like, it still had the ice earth thing. It was like, fucking shoot me. get this be <laughs> done. <laughs> but then at the times, like, okay, this is a tight riff. This is a tight riff. So, yeah, you know what? It's a pretty tight album. All right. Let me tell you the story concept. First, by Tim Ripper Owens when he talked about the story in an interview oh, with Thrash Pit.
1: The it's a pit.
0: Yeah, it's about a human. It's about how we humans really weren't the first people on Earth, and there were a race of people called the Sentients who were actually the first people here on Earth. They didn't have any weapons or technology, and the humans are actually the aliens who attacked and took over Earth. It's pretty unique, but it's kind of a hard to talk about the whole story because there's so much going on. <laughs> a few years, uh, give me a second to adjust my mask. A few years later, John Schaefer further detailed the story in an interview. The premise is that mankind is actually alien to the planet Earth, and that we came here on a quest for this ultimate knowledge that these beings called the sentients had. They were the true inhabitants of Earth, and they are the direct descendants of God or the grand architect of the universe. So they have all the answers as to why things are the way they are. And human beings were after this this unlimited power. So they come to the planet Earth, And they basically wipe out the civilization of the sentients. And this is all in Framing Armageddon. And that's the story that takes place from the point of the invasion up to the birth of Set. The first part is 10,000 years is a 10,000 year period. Before the invasion, the sentients see the prophecy that this is going to happen. So they send 10,000 people of of their own chosen people to go into hiding to survive the attacks of the humans. And until after the events... Called the clouding, which is where Earth goes through its chasm- cataclysmic shift like a magnetic, <laughs> like the magnetic properties of the polar cap shifts and volcanoes are wrapped in earthquakes and sandstorms of so the whole Earth goes haywire. At this point, the human beings believe that they have wiped out all and and they go through the days of clouding. And when the days of clouding are over, they are, have lost their memories where they came from and why they're here. And so this whole invasion armada, uh, uh, invasion armada that came, all the ships and other evidence that has been buried in the desert. So they wake up. What was once a lush green land with a wa- with waters now a desert. So the ten thousand come out of hiding after the days of clouding, and they now look at now that they now look like human beings. Sentients are humanoid anyway, but they have different features. They can morph and shift and look exactly like humans. Another thing that happens after the days of the clouding is like the story of the tower of, of like Babel or Babel. give me a second just mask. <laughs> And uh, unflip un- that human beings that have similar skin colors can speak to each other. This creates confusion because now that white guys can talk to each other and red guys can, they can't talk to guys with different color. <laughs> then they start the fact faction off. This is the way to keep people divided. It's all part of the plan of the clouding. And when the sentience came back in, and mixed with the humans, they take leadership positions and they spread around the planet, Societies grows. But the whole time they're being manipulated by the sentient leaders, they build up the Order of the Rose. This is a lodge like... philanthropic See... philanthrop tra- a philanthropic organization that is supposed to be different, doing good for the world and for humanity. And for the whole time, they're actually plotting destruction of mankind. Every empire that rises and falls, it's all happened by their design. You could say, for instance, that the rise and fall of the Roman Empire was by the design of the sentience, and of all the religions of the world were, world were created by the sentience as well, because these are all things that help keep mankind divided. They thrive on the weakness of man in order to bring us to our demise. And that
1: is so far the story of what I presume is Framing Armageddon
0: by John Schaefer.
1: Okay, okay I, was, I was listening to the lyrics. I didn't get half of that when I was listening to it. But well. if that's what he says is happening, okay, John. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Some of that actually, I'm not kidding. Some of that sounds like a pretty cool like, concept. Well. Or at least it sounds interesting.
0: Well, it sounds interesting, but I'm sure the part two might describe uh, what happens next. Yes.
1: Because isn't it called like... Uh, the Crucible of Man. Yes. Wonder what's gonna happen. Oh no, Matt Barlow returns. So this is the last
0: of like Tim Rippers we listens to.
1: Yep, he was only on for these two albums. He might be missed. I think so. Yeah, I think he'll be missed. (laughs) Because then we'll have Matt Barlow again. I'm like, and it's a shame. And I don't like. I I really do think Matt Barlow is a good singer. It's just that I've had to hear seven albums with him, you know? Yeah, I
0: know. And it gets pretty fucking boring when it's kind of the same shit or when they try to do something different. It's just more boring shit.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And then they bring in Ripper and it's like, oh, hey, these are actually like cool, catchy fucking songs. But sorry if it's not the old school fucking thrash material (laughs)
1: that they're like. That pissed me off so much. It's
0: like, dude, this fucking thrash blows cocks, bro. (laughs) How do you like this? But I guess like there's a fan base. There's a fan base for everything. So true. All right. Let me get the time stamp down. Um, trying to figure out the fuck we're at. Okay, I'm gonna say it's like 15.
1: All right, so what we watched? The, so what do we? So <coughs> decline three. Yes, decline of Western civilization, part three. No quirky subtitle this time. We're back to punk rock. Uh the first one was the first one was the burgeoning hardcore punk scene. The last one was the early,
0: the late seventies, early eighties hardcore yeah. punk scene of like L.A., which yeah. there was like a couple of hardcore punk bands, but then there's just like the post punk bands and stuff. So basically, just the punk scene in general, yes, of early eighties. But then the second one by since since the director was making some money and stuff and freaking um. Yeah, was basically making some money that she had a backer of a record company to help her do this one, but this was more about the fucking glam metal scene on the Sunset Strip of like LA, which was literally like, fuck those dudes. A lot of them were just- Oh, yeah. Literally, if you want to go listen to other podcasts, it literally was, they kept on talking about their penises, we kept on getting (laughs) pissed off, and then when uh, the directors started grilling them in their hopes and dreams, Edward felt sad for them,
1: but I did not- No, 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 no. I said I felt a little bad for them, but not that much. I- (laughs) <laughs> well, I can tell you this. I Randy don't... from Odin or the band Odin
0: are alive, so I can tell you that. Okay, then I feel like, a little less, Odin played... I feel a little less bad. So Odin played a show in like 2018 on the whisk at the whiskey a Go-Go. They
1: fucking did. I don't know.
0: I found some live footage. I don't know how it popped up. But I sit there's like, holy shit, these dudes are alive. And these dudes are like, oh yeah, no, we're just supposed to go be homeless and dead or something. Oh. But no. Odin's still alive, or at least like I know for sure. Randy, the singer, is. I don't know about the other dudes, but um, yeah. So how this, so how did this documentary start things off?
1: This documentary started off uh, much like how the first one did. Uh, we have a um, <coughs> we have a, a punk youth uh, sitting in a chair, uh, being uh, interviewed by our director, which by the way, I forgot to mention this movie opens up with a, a title card saying dedicated to squid, Stefan Chambers and all the gutter punks that survive. And then she talks to the young man, asking him how old he was when uh, she asks him and then a, a bunch of other kids, how old they were when the first film came out. Uh, yeah. And um, she starts and then she asks, and then she, but before she asks him, she asks him, how does he think punk rock's changed? He says he doesn't think it has. He thinks it's a little smaller, but people are more into it and they talk shit on people that have jobs be, that have jobs and play punk cuz he feels that they just see punk as a hobby. Then she asks uh, the other punks, like I said, how old they were when they came out. Almost all of them say they weren't even born. I think a couple said they were like one or something. Yeah, like literally, it's either they were one or they weren't born yet when the first documentary came out. One guy randomly was like, "Hey, I know a guy who can like suck a Slurpee through his nose." Yeah, we
0: get a guy that sucks a freaking icy through his nose, and yeah, he sucks it and he go he freaking hacks and haws and like as he gets his instant brain freeze. No, uh, there
1: was no um, there was no false advertising there. Nope, he could suck an icy. Through his nose. And then we have the disclaimer, which I did uh, make sure to write. Thank you. <laughs> Attention, as one person says, I wrote here because someone said and I thought it was funny. Attention, buttholes. Attention, buttholes. <laughs> Please be advised that your entry upon this premises, you are consenting to being photographed and having your likeness used in a motion picture. Someone even makes the same porno joke as I think like Dave Mustaine. There,
0: there's been like a porno joke in each and every one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we get... And a, your pornographic
1: likenesses. Yay. So here we go. We get footage of a rowdy punk show with a performance by the band Final Conflict. I noticed this. Did you notice this one guy stage dive and they edited in a Wilhelm scream?
0: Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> yeah, no. It was funny. You know, back to roll back to the disclaimer, like the freaking singer of like Litmus Green is also being showered by spit. Oh Like literally the whole He had a whole That's cr- what that was? Yeah he had the whole crowd Just spitting at him Fuck Or just basically Spitting at them I'm just like Dude that's fucking gross And we live in COVID So that's yeah. like so that's Oh all, yeah 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 That's, that's like almost,
1: retroactively Even worse That's like
0: frightening But I'm sure he's fine yeah. I don't know about Lightness Green
1: Then we got a series of folks Of kids Introducing themselves In this order We meet Squid Filth Spinner Why Why me like the word "why" and the dash, then the it's word like "me." It's like "why me?" Question oh, mark. it's so clever. Spoon, Darius, um, uh, someone named uh, Little Tommy the Queer. <laughs> yeah, I'm Little Tommy the Queer. Troll and Hamburger. Ah, so that was uh, that was Hamburger's homeboy. Yeah, yeah. I forgot
0: his name. It's like Troll talks a lot, but I couldn't get his name.
1: Nate, Justin, and the the other guy. I think his name was like Turk or something.
0: I don't I don't know. I didn't get the last one. The interesting
1: one. thing is about Turk and Darius. Um they're actually black guys and I actually wanted to point out I appreciate that they actually found some uh black punks to be in this documentary because there's a criminally underrated amount of black people who love punk rock rock, rock rock metal and punk but they either get no acknowledgement or they feel discouraged to f- to be a part of it. Yep. So that was cool. Um and then as I wrote in my notes, this I wrote this live. Nate, Justin, Sage, Pinwheel, Keith Morris. Keith Morris? Oh, fuck yeah. That yeah. was my reaction. So, yeah, Keith yeah. Morris comes back. Keith
0: Morris. But he though. actually has an interview-like segment, so you got that interview with Keith Morris you wanted from the Ye- first time.
1: Yep. You see, there's a neat thing about this episode, uh, not this episode, this documentary Okay, hear me out. These documentaries are like Dark Souls. So the first one comes out, right? It's kind of gorilla and it's simple, but there's a lot of surprising depth to it. Then the second one comes out. It feels completely different with almost a completely different theme and genre and tone, but there's some mechanical improvements. And then in this one, it's the best of both, but it's more strongly connected to the first one. It's not that the second one didn't happen. It's just that the first and the third one are far more explicitly connected. Yep, and you see that because when they have on Keith Morris, they show footage of uh, the circle, circle Jerks. Yeah, the Circle Jerks playing from the first movie. Yep, Keith Morris goes on about a uh, goes on a big old uh, Keith Morris rant. But the highlights are just basically
0: he's explaining his like what his like opinions are today compared yes. to like compared to like how it was back then and stuff too. And it, like if you were to basically wrap everything up. It's, it's more fucked these days.
1: Yeah, he feels that the kids have more reasons to be uh angry. Um and he also feels like uh then he goes on to a big like anti-Republican rant because I didn't really realize like, like,
0: yeah, they keep sit, like telling us about like their family. family values. Yeah, but it's like they have the friggin' ability where they can actually just focus on on that because they're mostly ripping us off.
1: On that, like that, so they don't even yeah. have to worry. Yeah, it's um, like fuck them. See, I didn't realize this about halfway through the movie, but there actually there's like I noticed it, but I didn't know it was by design. There's less of an emphasis on like music, like this, like this documentary isn't really about seeing the bands learning about the bands and stuff it's like an it's just, it, it's an examination specifically of essentially the homeless youth it's just focused on the punk rock ones you know yeah basically <clears throat> the lifestyle so yeah and this I was a little bummed because but then also like the like
0: music basically it's like the music's now more politically charged than it was yeah, back that's then that's the key because back then and, and and it was more socially
1: charged yes it was more socially charged but than since
0: was, like yeah no for, but since like freaking now it's like super politi- like like, a lot of those bands are now like super political. Like
1: back then it was a bunch of kids like you. There was a, that punk rock community, but it was mostly just some creative people dicking around doing whatever. This one, this is like literally like the kind of image you see where, you know, folks have nowhere else to go. This is my family. That kind of stuff. Yep. Keith Morris's last thing. Uh, she's like, are you she, I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, are you bummed you didn't become a rock star? He's like, No. And yeah, I like a big rock star. Also, at one point, we see footage of a guy yeah, essentially make out him with like, a
0: dog. Yeah, I know. And we're like, we've seen Keith Morris just roaming around at a Napalm Death show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I see him. I was like, hey, no fucking way, it's Keith Morris. But I'm like, yeah, it's a fucking Napalm Death show. Like,
1: Wait. I hope to go. That'd be, that super sick he showed up. But yeah, like I said, we also at one point saw a guy basically uh, make out with a dog. Yep. That was great. Then we meet a guy named Rick Wilder, and holy shit, this guy looks like he's been through hell.
0: Yeah, he looks really, really strung out. Rick Wilder from the band, like, the Mau Mau's and the Moo Moo's, or however the fuck you want to pronounce oh, it.
1: what was that? I don't remember. He I didn't check, out. I
0: didn't have time to check out the band, but freaking, yeah, he's pretty fucking, he looks like, like he did some to des- drugs. Like,
1: trying to describe him like... He's really deathly ill.
0: He's real skinny. Yes. He's super fucking pasty. Yes. He seems like he's having a hard time talking, and he just looks like a mannequin.
1: Yes. Yes. He looks like a mannequin. She asks, "How was punk rock different back then?" He said he felt more real back then. The anger felt more real, and that you could do whatever you want. Basically, and then we see that band you mentioned earlier, Litmus Green. The singer kind of looks like the singer, how the singer for Offsprings looked at that point. Uh, I like their music. I didn't get a chance to like look see if they have actual music on the web. But from what we heard from them in this doc, um, I liked them. They were cool. Yeah, they're tight. I don't know why the singer kept on swinging around
0: some goofy, freaking bro, like bone prosthetic and stuff while he's singing. But... He was just being quirky, lol. He's just being weird and quirky. <laughs> and this they is the all same basically... guy that got showered by spit. So, fucking coolness. <laughs> yeah, cool guy. And bro. they
1: basically all say you're, you know, pretty generic punk stuff. Government this, environment that. She asks. Um, uh, then she asks uh, "The Sorry I got my nose mixed up She asks all the kids um, What's most fucked up about the world Then they say all the stuff you hear before You know government, environment She asks uh, what do they hate the most And then we get answers like about how um, uh, A couple people say how they hate How people just hate each other and judging each other One person specifically says He hates how people are judged for like being black or being mexican and i wrote here a stark fucking contrast to the cast of the first one wouldn't you say yep <laughs> then we get uh the singer then we actually cut to um a cop where sing- uh, are we at the cop yet or no that was a little later now according to my notes now that we're at naked aggression uh, oh i
0: jumped the fuck up sorry <laughs> Yeah, yeah The
1: singer woman From the band Naked Aggression um, She's on stage uh, saying the usual punk stuff The enemies are the big business And the right wing We need to stop fighting Each other and revolt And then we get I wrote here A fucking dad on screen Not really But he looks like one Yeah we the, get the owner a club owner The owner of the club owner. named Izad Soilman Saying how um, She's like How long have you had punk here He's like Oh for about nine years He talks about how crazy The shows are How the kids get beat up Dancing Get all bloody why me says he's broke his nose three times But it wasn't violent When you're dancing sometimes you Fall down that's how he said it Then they talk about this group called This fucked me up They talked about this group called Unity something or other No you're but, talking about sharps right Yeah they call them sharp skins yeah, now, no, Skinheads against racial prejudice Yeah I was gonna say we kind of get it Just cause we're into punk but like Wrap your head around that audience There's skinheads against racial prejudice Yeah, so the kids,
0: uh, well, not all skinheads are racist. Like, skinheads in the oldest term were mostly just the working class folk. Now, how it became racism because the working class folk would be pissed at immigrants taking their jobs. So, I see that's where the skin that's where like the friggin' racism, but you know, sharp still exists to the to this day, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, literally, we were just chilling there, freaking. We were watching, like, some footage from freaking Instagram, like, some huge fucking punk show going on. Actually, the fucking fools from freaking All Gas No Breaks were actually there at that show, too, doing wacky interviews on some peeps and whatnot. But then, like, yeah, Homeboy Oscar's like, yeah, no, there's fucking sharps just roaming around at the show. I don't know if they're
1: as violent as they are during this, this time period, but yeah. Huh. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and the kid they were asking about, um, they were kid they were asking about the sharps. He says they're turning into a game, which is kind of a callback to what you had said uh, two episodes ago when you had said in the mid 80s, we started getting punk rock gangs. Well, as you can see here in the 90s, they're still going.
0: There so are some gangs like, the, yeah, the Sharps, which Z basically says, yeah, no, they're basically like they're kind of a gang and mostly they like to attack street punks and also like beat up on minorities, too. Yeah.
1: And then the cat and then- like they're
0: total fucking pussies, too. Like, <laughs> for again, it's like, oh, hey, we well, like 10 of us gang up on one dude and then bounce yeah. the fuck
1: out when like everyone shows up. Yeah, they're cowards. Then the then the kids talk about how they all hate Nazis. The one kid, Troll, he said, again, wrap your head around this one, around this one, regular people. He got arrested in Texas for fighting a KKK guy at a KKK rally because the KKK guy told him to swim back to China when he's not even Chinese, and he got arrested for it. Yep like what the fuck like that actually pissed me off here Like, like 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 let me ask you something do you do you think the punks from this movie would have hated the punks from the first movie some of them maybe most likely depending but yeah the punks um like look i know what we're all thinking yes it's texas yes it's the south but even then it's like that's fucking crazy to me but yeah, the punks are getting uh, punks get jumped by skinheads. They talk about sharp skins, kick asses at shows. Eventually, the club owner said that he eventually put a ban, saying that uh, he would prefer people not bring up politics uh, at the punk shows. Which I'm assuming no one follows that rule.
0: No, when you have freaking <laughs> naked aggression, basically, like doing like.
1: Basically stating
0: each like stance on their songs and stuff.
1: She, the director asks her, um, Do you listen to this stuff at home? He's like, No. No, oh, yeah, do you Frank's- listen to
0: punk? Do you listen to punk at home? And he's like, No, no,
1: no, no. I listen to Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett, he says proudly. And there was like another like person too, but yeah, that was the I only ones know. I got. So yeah, he likes freaking contemporary music. Then it's like Final Conflict again. They play. They play a song, uh, you know, it's talking about how religion's the true oppressor. He saw, yeah, basically against frigging organized, organized religion, how Mm -hmm. it's
0: just basically it's like, you know, like a lot of like these like value, like they try to bring out like all these values, but most of the time they're just stealing your money and they're oppressing anyone else that just wants to do like
1: stuff. Then she talks to the kids about what will end the punk, and basically, they're all outcasts. They feel alone, rejected, and how they've uh, and you know how the punks are fam- found family. I'm summarizing it up, but like if you hear some of their testimonies, it's some really like gut wrenching shit. Oh uh, yeah. Then Litmus Green sings a song about how he's a repressed gay man. Forced to, um, forced to live an outcast, and how his love for men has been made fun of and forced to be repressed, and how a lot of his friends turned out to be homophobes. Just summing up the lyrics, yep. like fuck, dude. This, like, at this point, in the documentary listeners were not even twenty minutes in, but like, I'm fucking feeling for all the for this cast of characters. Oh, you're feeling it. This realness was something I missed because the last documentary, the second one, except for a few. Parts was complete like superficial bullshit. This was like, like getting your hands dirty, real. Yeah, you yeah, know?
0: yeah, no, this was some real fucking shit that was going Wasn't
1: on. Wasn't it? Was a breath
0: of fresh air. Yeah, from it's not just dudes just eighties
1: glam. Yeah, assholes. no, it's just
0: dudes just trying to fucking talk about their cocks now they get it laid <laughs> and like they want to make money and become big rock stars and stuff. Like they never freaking do anything that's actually like realistic. Except unless yeah. Megadeth, the fucking yeah. Megadeth was like one of the biggest bands to come out of that shit. Oh, so. for
1: sure. So then she asked the kids what do they hate the most? Two of them say cops. Oh, and by the way, the one of the guy one of the kids that says them who was talking about but he was the one talking about the sharp skins. He had the bridge in his nose. I thought he kind of looked like Jake. Cool. A little bit in the face. So a cop Are you a good friend bone steel? Yeah, good friend bone steel. Wait, which one? Uh the one that was talking about the sharp skins he had the bridge in his nose um Oh yeah, he had yeah, the yeah. Weird I never got
0: his name what was his fucking name Oh he I don't remember I'd have to look up yeah, I see, remember. I can't remember his fucking
1: name They said his name too but I forgot But that was like they said their names once and then exactly and once, then like yeah. you just
0: kind of had to remember
1: So then we talked to a cop sergeant he I think that's an oxymoron He comments on how punks don't have a set dress code I was actually surprised they included a POV uh, a police POV in this because in both films, um, the first one more, but they talk you know people talk shit on the cops, but this time they actually talk to a cop. He says in his view that the punks are just are looking for attention with the clothes and tattoos. And then the guy uh, the guy with the bridge going through his nose, he says, according to him, that is the rib of a small puppy. So he says. I hope it's not. The oh, cop- wait, are you talking about some dude that has like the bone through their nose? Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. I don't know if that's our friggin' like the one dude you've been talking I about. I thought that was him. No, no, that's another dude. That's just like. Oh, no, no, house. that was
1: someone else. I I thought I wrote the guy, but it's was like, one so, guy. It's, yeah, so, yeah, it's some like other guy one dude that has
0: like yeah, a bone yeah. through his nose, and I guess that's a rib of a puppy,
1: so yeah. That made me want to puke. Uh, So the cop again, he says, um,. This cop, by the way, can I point out, I hate saying this stuff because it's not me, but this cop, you saw how that dude looked. He was like the whitest of white meat. Yep. <laughs> he was some white he was a real, meat.
0: Yeah, no, he was like a total freaking like, yeah,
1: white meat <laughs> freaking like, dude, basically. He's like, yeah, they so, they show us something new every day, he says. He feels it's a competition uh, to who can do the craziest thing. It's a, They do outrageous things for attention. Then, um, then she asks, "Well, do you make fun of them?" And then he like disconnects eye contact for a second. And, and kinda, he like
0: circles around the question. And he
1: kind of grimaces and he says, "Not so much as tr- more like trying to understand them." So I wrote here, "Yeah, he he does." Yeah, maybe you know, not like, him Him and personally. his fucking
0: like dickhead friends yeah. most likely like this on co-
1: like this on the punks. One guy has a uh, pen cap in his ear. That was the Jake looking kid. And because she's you mean like Squid. Was it? no, that wasn't Squid. That was someone else. Like, no, that was Squid. I'm sorry. No, that wasn't the one that looks like Jake. My come bad. on, get your dude straight. <laughs> yeah, Squid. Um, he, she because she's like, "What is that in your ear? What is that?" He's like, "Oh, it's a pan cap." And he talks about how apparently I don't know if I heard this wrong, but he's like, "Yeah, I know a guy who can put who has soda cans in his." Yeah,
0: he was talking about like he knows one guy that has like some really big plugs, but then he says another guy that like stretches his ears so much that he can put soda cans in his ears. That so sounds I, gross.
1: So then the cop again talks about how. Well, you got a problem with body mods, bro? No, you, just some body mods, bro. We were there when deathcore engages was the big thing. Okay? Yeah, you didn't like that shit either. No, no. <laughs> and like, I have nothing like, wrong with piercings. I think piercings are cool. Like ear body like, mods, I kind. I'm like a little am. Yeah, no,
0: the big old fucking giant earlobe gauges were a little like,
1: wacky. God, do you remember that shit? Like it. It felt like it feels like a fever dream remembering it. But yeah, like 2000, like. 10 to 14 You Dude. had all these These crazy tatted up dudes At these deathcore shows Hardcore dancing These fat giant gauges It was all over the place Yeah But good thing
0: Ear reconstruction surgery exists <laughs> So yeah Like they weren't fucked For having those No
1: No Like they can I like re- I,
0: They can reset their ears I, then, I don't luckily. know if
1: I don't know if I'm remembering this wrong I thought I saw motherfuckers Getting gauges in their cheeks Some I think tried to Ugh. That's like the wackiest So then the cop talks about how they always get called for noise complaints. One punk says, um, one punk talks about how, you know, when the cops come, the punks get rowdy and try to fight the cops. Then the sheriff says, (laughs) "Okay." so the sheriff says, in his view, the idea is to get them in touch with their parents. Quote, unquote. Some pokes have some punks have loving parents. Quote, unquote, he says. I added the quote, unquote, by the way. And most of them just don't like authority. And we represent authority. Now, I'm not trying to rail on this cop. But that felt like a PR answer. And there is way more to it than that. And he knows that. Oh, yeah. no, He came off like total full of shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, I didn't write it. But I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I was like, you're full of shit, bro. Yep. So Naked Aggression's back. I legit like them. Uh, I actually, they have uh, all three of their albums on Spotify. I, I didn't listen to all of them, but I listened to, like their first album. I like them. They're cool. Yeah, no, Naked Aggression's legit. They're better than Tramp
0: Stamp, bro. Oh, fucking Tramp Stamp. Wait, did I like, did, what, was I telling you about Tramp yeah, Stamp? Yeah, you yeah, you told me about Tramp Stamp. Oh, right, yeah, did you fucking check out that fucking, uh, what's the word, Industry Plants?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I didn't bring it up when we first met because I remember in my, I had in my notes I wanted to bring it up at this point because naked aggression's cooler. Yeah, naked aggression
0: actually feels <coughs> legit and yes. actually like like are actually like feel like legit feminism while tramp stamp their feminism just more like dude shaming and yes. like that's not like really. And you know what? I think you're right. There,
1: I'm not doubting that they're not legit musicians, but those are total tinfoil hat, total industry plants,
0: bro. Yeah total and it's just like they seem like they have a statement of being like kind of politically charged but they're like don't feel like really politically connected to the like actual issue yeah i think it's just more like lady talk they're just writing lyrics about lady talks and just them dealing with bad hookups and stuff so freaking yeah that's not really the thing but now naked aggression they actually talk about some like Actual issues. Oh, yeah. Not just some lady talk. Oh, hey, I was like drunk and I had to deal with some drunk penis and stuff. And it was just a bad (laughs) late. Oh, my God. No, I think negative aggression was actually talking about some real shit. Maybe stuff you should actually put your energy towards more than fucking trying to shame a freaking like, hey, I was partying and like the dude party too hard and his
1: fucking got limp dick. Let's write a song about it. Oh, my God. (laughs) That made me laugh. (laughs) <laughs> then they ask the kids about the cops again. The kids talk about how the cops have abused them and beat them down.
0: Oh, yeah. There's like one is like, yeah, I know. Like a cop went and put a phone book to my face and just like took his club and smacked the shit out of me. Yeah. Which
1: doesn't leave a bruise, but fucking hurts. Oh, yeah. You know, and listen, I know. OK, two sides to a story. But I have a feeling these kids aren't lying. Like, here's the thing. Like, yeah, like I'm sure all these punks like free and like pop up.
0: At Like, w- like I've seen it, like, at when i seen Wolf Brigade and stuff, too. Freaking, like, after the show, everyone's just fucking out and about in the fucking street, just raging the fuck up. Yeah. Like, the fucking, like, L.A. street dog, like, vendors, like, set up, too. And they're all like, hanging out, fucking getting hammered. And freaking cops are just on the end of, like, e- the end of the freaking block party with, like, a bunch of squad cars ready for shit to go down.
1: Holy shit. And
0: I'm just like I'm trying to drive through this. I'm like, cool, bro. Can I like make sure I'm out of here
1: tight? All right, <laughs> do your thing. Then we go to the home of Naked Aggression. The singer gal talked about how she was never even in a rock band before. She used to play the French horn. That's actually something interesting about this band because she was like, oh, yeah, I used to play the French horn. And then we see two of the band members. One of them's like playing the acoustic guitar pretty good. Well, one, one of was them a, plays the, the piano. Like
0: the guitar player is playing, uh, cl- was classically a guitar train. Yeah. And yeah, then the yeah. bass player is like playing the piano.
1: And I recognize that piece. That player was playing Beethoven. Yep. And then in their rehearsal space, they thought this was funny. They talk about how their neighbors are, get this people, a religious heavy metal band that does speed. And watch porn all and day. And watches porn all day.
0: Oh, and a mariachi band. No, they said the Mari- it's a mariachi bar. on the other Oh, side. okay. I thought so they said, we're basically
1: yeah. mariachi music's going like hard 24-7 over there. They said they've all got jobs, minimum wage stuff. One of them works at a laundry place. And he says well, specifically how he has to deal with some fucking pricks. Yep. The singer gal says how she thinks it's interesting how, you know, in punk, she actually says the idea is that in punk, people feel like, you know, you should be poor and, you know, you'll get exploited and stuff. And people get mad when bands sign with major labels. But she says in her own words, in the 90s, the independent labels are doing a lot of the screwing over and the major labels aren't so much at that point. I guess that makes sense in the 90 in the mid 90s record companies kind of learned that hey anything can sell now so I guess they stopped discriminating against bands so much but
0: whatever but I don't think Naked aggression ever signed a proper like
1: signed to a proper label Oh no they weren't I don't think
0: Yeah but whatever they're just saying it's like honestly a lot of this label shit just keep it DIY yeah we work like jobs and stuff too but freaking we also like bust our ass out of it. like we actually give a fuck yeah. we like to make our shit cuz that's one side of the coin too it's like to be punk doesn't mean you have to sit around and just be fucking drunk all day while having, like, the friggin' crazy, like, freaking have, like, the, like, freaking street punk fashion and stuff. Like, you can, like, st- I feel like you could still have a job, but still, like, freaking jam the music. Still, like, give a fuck and stuff, too. And also be DIY. Yeah. But also, like, you don't have to be self-destructive like some of our characters in this friggin' documentary.
1: Yes. Yes. Then they show off their DIY merch and how they, and basically they talk about how they kind of reject the common nihilism that's associated with punk. They talk about all the charities that they donate to, like women's shelter, AIDS research. Uh, They've paid for people's rents. They've defended, they actually like gathered a rally of like 40 punks, she said, to defend this uh, abortion clinic, abortion clinic. Yeah. Yeah. Then on, then back on stage, the gal tells a story about how a girl got beat up by cops and then uh, they beat up the cops, I think. Yep. Then we, like
0: and then it's like they wanted like the freaking band to like freaking go to court and stuff. And it's like, no fuck you, we're not going to court and shit. You can eat shit. Um oh god, and you're like stereotyped. That's all I freaking got.
1: <laughs> um then we got then we got to some punks chilling in LA hanging out. She talks to the kids on how they make money and broke. Like, there's they're like basically gonna be panhandling, fun. stealing, and photo splanging. Yeah, oh, yeah, and they, yeah, that annoying shit where people charge money for pictures. Can I say, I hate those guys every time I'm walking around in LA. There's some asshole in like well, a Hollywood, yeah, I know, but still, there's some asshole in like an Iron Man costume or a fucking shitty Batman or, or off count or off the dollar. Mickey Mouse cartoon, trying to fucking get people to pay $40, to take a picture. I'm like, look, I respect the grind and everything, but fuck off. The only people I maybe hate worse than that are those assholes that come up to you with a pen in hand. They're like, Hey bro. Hey man, how you doing? Where are you from? They're trying to give you your mixtape for 20 bucks. I'm like, bro, I don't want, I don't want your fucking mixtape. I don't want your fucking autograph. Fuck off. I hate those guys, and I hate the picture guys. They're oh, the worst. Yeah. They're everywhere, and they're all friends with each other, so they're all grouped up together. It's, yep. Oh, it's the worst. That's Hollywood, though. Anyway, um, she asks the kids, why don't they get jobs? One says it's hard looking for—it's for, for it's hard uh, when you look like him. One says—one straight says he doesn't want one. And then they show all the punks asking for change. I did see some I did see someone talk about this movie and they felt like some of the punks were like acting kind of goofy for the cameras. But I don't know. Like some of it felt like that's what they do. Like, oh you mean the fucking hamburger and his fucking zingers? Yo, give a dime, prevent a crime. Yeah, or that one girl that was like, hey, can I get a cigarette? I'll be your best friend. Can I get an answer? You know, and they're just like, they're like getting all up in people's faces and like just being douchey about asking for money. Yep. They're all hanging outside the liquor store, too. And uh, there actually was one funny one by Hamburger. He was like, hey, spare a dollar. I promise I won't waste it on food. I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> real of the homeless. Oh, and they litter too. I admit I lost a little bit of sympathy because I felt they were being douchey about asking for the money and, you know, they were but, fucking littering. But, you know, I didn't you know, I didn't start hating them or nothing, but anyway. Um, we're back with Rick again. <laughs> she asks him, "Did so did you do drugs?" And I'm like, you know the fucking answer to that. Oh, yeah. But he says, yeah, sure. I think we all did. He said uh, he did pills, heroin, alcohol. He talks about how it fucks your body up, but it feels good because she asked him, why would you do it? He says, because it feels good. He feels there was peer pressure a bit. And then all the kids talk about um, how they're all addicted to alcohol. I Well, they like
0: first said like some were on drugs, but they don't do drugs much anymore. But literally, it's like, yeah, honestly, yeah, we say. just stick to liquor.
1: And we're talking, and they, and almost all of them answer, she's like, well, when, how often do you drink? And they're like, well, when the store's open at 6 a.m. And when they close at 2 a.m., 2 p.m. Oh, I'm ham- sorry, a.m. Well, that's what
0: the hamburger, that's what the homeboy hamburger said. A couple others, too. Yeah, yeah, They basically wake up and it's
1: like, yeah, you know, wake up, guy, cold one, which is like, start off the day just drinking. This one fucked me up because she's talking to, I think it was Jake and Nate, um, she was talking to him and... uh he was they were talking about how they met at Narcotics Anonymous uh, for speed and downers respectively and they're both 15 or they were both they were both 15 when they met. It's like holy shit. The and and these kids drink a fuck ton. Almost all of them Said they started between 10 and 15. It literally
0: was basically they all, most of them, at least the ones that we heard, all yeah. basically started drinking at the age of 15 according or that, younger. According to that hamburger guy, well, yeah, he dad started and, at
1: the age of three. Yeah, and he almost drowned in the toilet because his dad and uncle got him drunk. Then they give their reasons for wanting to drink. Couple variations, mostly wanting an escape. Bunch of crazy stories. It's
0: basically, it's literally to help fight bo- fight boredom. Because yeah. when you're homeless and you don't have smartphones and you're literally just sitting <laughs> around on the streets all day just panhandling, booze is going to make things go by a little bit quicker.
1: And um, uh, there was, uh, Camburger again told another crazy Cam- story. Hamburger, yeah. yeah, Hamburger. He told another crazy story about how basically he accidentally hocked a loogie in his dad's whiskey.
0: Yeah, he was like sitting there freaking like, he was, like, sitting there. It's like, him and his sister were hanging out his pops was, like, he was, like, trying to ask his pops it was like, drink a beer. He's, like, no, it's whiskey. His pops bounced out of the room for a couple seconds, mm-hmm. and he just straight up started just downing all the whiskey and stuff, but the burning got to him, so he straight up just freaking shot it out through his nose, and freaking there was just a loogie on the freaking, like, cup, and his pops picked it up and just straight up drank it, and he's just sitting there with his sister, like, oh, shit, homeboy fucking drank my fucking loogie. What the fuck? <laughs>
1: Like, that was gross, but I I, I was laughing, too. Hamburger's a funny guy. Dude, Hamburger's got this fucking zingers. Then we cut to a Hollywood apartment, is what it says. Rented by five well, punk Well, we also Rock. got,
0: like, one more story of, like, Squid. Oh, the guy that,
1: that's right, the guy that shit his pants. Yeah, a
0: fucking Squid shitting his pants because he's, like, trying to go knock on the door to try to use a toilet from, like, a homeboy he knows. But, like, they're home, but they don't want to answer or talk to him. So he freaking just like, you know, I'm just going to ship on the fucking dumpster. And right. was about to freaking hop on down. Riley
1: hopped on down and he just fucking shat all over his fucking pants. That sucks. Yep. So then we cut to a Hollywood apartment rented. It says rented by five punk rockers. There's like 30 fools in this house. We get footage of them drinking, charging their hair. One guy named Chris randomly starts saying he's not racist. <laughs> Um, And then we get a whole bunch and then a whole bunch of gross shit happens. I think someone says it's someone, literally it's like dude it's straight up a party pad. It's yeah. fucking
0: just wrecked. They're all one just pers- getting hammered and just fucking I I all heard, over the
1: spot. I thought I heard one woman say that like someone peed on the floor. One girl needs to go to the bathroom to change her tampon but there's fools in there. There's beer and fluid spraying everywhere. People are puking. One girl hawks a fat spit and then that same woman says one time Squid and Spoon who we both have seen throughout the sh- uh, movie. One time we're having Sex while she was passed out in the next to her while she was in the bathtub, and so she burned herself with a cigarette. Yeah, we got like a lot. She yeah. has like a ring, an armband of cigarette yeah, burns on I think her that's arm. spinner. That was okay. That was Spinner. Okay.
0: I think it's Spinner. Whatever. She's just flexing that she has cigarette burns all over her arm, and she's just basically trying to make an armband.
1: Then we get to the kids talking about their families. Uh, it's all—it's an all—they're all from an eclectic background: Republicans, gangsters, hippies, pot dealers, Mormon, I know military, like, lots yo, of no, shit. No,
0: no, no. Just a quick rewind on the party pad. Sorry. Yeah. Freaking, I just like want to just like say what they this is like great because around the end, Squid is like, "Hey, I want to say something for on the record for the camera," and he's like, "Yeah, what's up, Squid?" I literally, these, a lot of these people aren't even my friends. And I'm like, bro, I've fucking been there. That I've is been such there a, too, school. That's such a fucking vibe. It's like all these <laughs> motherfuckers are just at my pad or something. And I got like my homies, but then I got all these fucking people trying to think they're friends with me. And it's like, I don't even fucking know you.
1: Oh, yeah. Fuck off. Like your homies would be like me, Jake, good friend Dylan. But then the homies that aren't your homies are like the people that like good friend Jake. Would like bring over, for instance, or oh, other people no, too? No, no,
0: it was good friend Thomas that would bring. Okay, over. I will, like no, no, would, I knew that, but I he would be having it. like other fucking people there and stuff too. And it's like, but then those people bring their friends and shit and become enraged yeah. at my spot. I'm like, dude, who the fuck? And some of those some
1: friends, IMO, were kind of dicks, so I didn't really like most of them. Yeah, whatever. They're just fucking whack, and I'm
0: just sitting there. And it's like I don't know who the fuck this is. But when Squid said that, it's like, dude, I that's such a fucking vibe I in a movie. he
1: said it too? Most of these people aren't even my friends. I don't even know him. I thought at one point he said he doesn't even like him, but he did say that. I don't even. I, the, half these people aren't even my friends. And
0: I'm like, dude, I fucking vibe with you so hard. I've been there and it's fucking annoying. So, yeah. This then, is really dumb. A lot of them will just be coming the stuff that, like, freaking to be meme, and the homies organizing. But one dude would invite one dude and it just freaking turn into a It just spirals
1: from there. And I'm like, I don't know half these people. So it's like fucking, yeah, cool. So then, yeah, then that's when we cut to the kids talking about uh, what kind of families they're from. Uh, you know, the Republicans, gangsters, hippies, pot dealers, Mormon, military, lots of shit. And then pretty much all of them talk about how they all got physical, physically abused and fucked, dude. I'm being completely serious with you. As soon as like they, I was like typing notes, but when, because it went on for like five ish minutes, yeah, yeah. Know, just kids talking about the fucked up abuse they went through. I wasn't even typing. I was just kind of staring at the screen, listening, watching and listening to them talk about it. It was some heavy shit. Like these kids got fucked up. Like you know, the parents, you know, their dads or whatever. Yeah, they'd just be fucking getting smacked them, with chairs, just getting pipes and belts and shit. One guy said, I think he said, with you know, with respect to them, he said, um, he said that, that that their dad like physically abused him and his sister, and I think like sexually abused the sister. Yeah, like we're that was like the I, I won't sage. go deep, I won't go deeper than that, but there was like no, there was like fucked up shit. It, I didn't like start crying or nothing, but I felt like really fucking bad, like. Like, I, I, I legit needed a minute after that because it was just like five minutes of just boom, 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 boom. And these kids are young. They're all between like 15 and 22. The, the cast of kids that they have yeah. in the studio. It's fucked up, man. So we're back with Naked Aggression, who I just I wrote here in my notes. I just realized have the uh, same initials as negative approach, which made me smile. They play a song that is pro-abortion. Um, it tells the story of a woman who can't get an abortion and, uh, she has to go to the, back alley, to the back alley and most likely have to use the coat
0: hanger, but then might end up accidentally like cutting herself too much. And she operation,
1: bleeds out operation rescue. What do you want me to do? Shove a coat hanger up my con brand. It was it was a good song. I'm telling you, man, I like negative aggression. Yeah, no, I naked was, aggression, I was vibing with
0: aggression. Yeah, them. no, negative aggression. But yeah, can legit. you guys
1: tell that uh, that the punk bands are more politically charged now? Yeah, because that was a big thing. Um, we know this obviously, but just to kind of help set the picture here for when this uh, movie came out, like abortion mid-late. was a really, 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 really hot button topic in the '90s. Yep. Uh yeah pro-life it's still a hot no topic. it's still a hot topic but in the 90s is when it like boiled over and became like the the big social issue like it's still a big social issue but that's when it like really came to the forefront and people were talking about it Yep. like people talked about it as early as the 60s and 70s but that was considered edgy to talk about that you know nowadays it's just considered like serious or mature but back then it was considered cutting edge you know uh,
0: uh.
1: like there was an episode of the show my mom like called Ma from like the mid seventies by Norman Lear, and in that and in that show, you know, someone gets an abortion, and I remember she told me that when that episode dropped, the the network got a shitload of calls from people because they're like, "Why'd you have that character?" Blah blah blah, and it caused the whole a huge ass controversy. Damn.
0: Yeah, I know. some people really fucking sketch on abortions, but <clears throat> sometimes abortions can lead to shitty parents, which then like freaking shitty parents like freaking. We get shit like this. Their Fucking kids are saying, yeah, I got fucking physically abused and shit by these fucking
1: Mm -hmm. asshole parents because they're fucking insecure losers. Then she asked the kids where they all live and they're all homeless except for, um, I think it's Darius. Yeah. He's got an an apartment. apartment. Yeah. One of the black dudes. Most of them have been homeless between 12 to 16 and they're almost all in their 20s now and then the homie Flea shows up. Yeah,
0: Flea shows up for a quick interview, and he basically explains how shitty and cold the city has become over, like, the 10 to 15 years. Like, it became really bad. Because you say, like, back, like, around the time of the first, like, friggin' documentary and stuff, uh-huh. there was, like, at least, like, friggin' art community places and stuff, too, where people can actually meet up and hang out and crash out and stuff. Like, st- there was, like, a little bit more, like, accessible places for, like, people that might not have, like, a home can actually hang out. That who, like, you know, jam tunes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, likes tunes can, like, hang out. Like, all these, like, art community stuff, too. But no, not these days. Like, uh, yeah, no, these kids are just out on the fucking streets just sleeping behind dumpsters like you, or sleeping behind fences like in like fields and
1: stuff where you just fucking get sloshed and crash the fuck out. And you said this about Catholic discipline specifically, but like it would be really easy to summarize most of the bands from the first documentary as basically angry art school kids. Obviously, that's not all of them. That's only like less than half of them. Or just angry dudes just want
0: to jam fucking like raw rock and roll, but it was turning into like jamming fast music. Some of it was like doing like actually creatively different and stuff too
1: it was cool to see flea um and it made me realize holy shit he really has just had that tooth gap forever huh yep (laughs) then we see some punks with pets one guy says he sold his dog for 30 bucks to get loaded that made me angry they're like, yeah, man, they're all basically like, because uh, they. this is a different group of people. They're like, yeah, man, life out here is the tits. We love being homeless. We get high and we get drunk. There's this one guy. Oh, my God, this guy. There was this dude in a DRI shirt. He looked and talked like our old friend Josh. Yep. You, you know the guy I'm talking about? Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Just like him and then they talk about you know how all, how um all the kid all the homeless punks talk about how they hustle how their parents have hurt them and, you know they yeah. yeah basically more talks of just them being having shitty
0: parents and stuff or like and then them talking about how they're hustle maybe make some cash and stuff and then like i think there's the one time i was like do you like going to shows and stuff how do you pay for shows one guy's like well i like kind of panhandle like my cash where i can actually get into the show but the other's like i'll just up just bum rush the door and just hopefully i just like i'm able to just like freaking just squeeze on
1: in yeah cool You know, and there's an interesting uh, argument to be made here because, again, I I checked out some other folks who had seen this movie and reviewed it as like retrospect things. Some people some people kind of got the vibe that um, maybe not in this documentary specifically, but just they kind of got the vibe that some of the kind of people in this documentary were like they were basically just kind of glorifying being homeless, you know, like they were making it sound like, uh, this big artistic thing or whatever that, or not artistic, but you know, this cool dope thing that like, Kind of led a bunch of well, kids if to if abandon you, home. Well,
0: well, if you hear their fucking lives,
1: it's like, so <clears throat> no, the- these punks in the movie are specifically all right, but it but basically, this someone said this movie was kind of meant feels like a counterpoint to like homeless punks that like basically think being homeless is okay and cool or or try to glorify it, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, well. If you want it Hey nothing's stopping you If you just feel like Your life's boring It's like fuck it Why not just go freaking like Go out and like Wear the same clothes all day Freaking sleep Wherever the fuck you want And stuff too And fucking just I mean nothing's, Travel wherever
1: bro Nothing's stopping you But I wouldn't recommend it Yeah, I could really care less So the so then uh, then then for the next while, it's just her talking to various homeless punks. One guy said he, lit his ho- he got kicked out of his house at age nine because he accidentally lit his house on fire. He said his parents were bikers. Then we're back with Ricky again. I think this is the last time we see him. She asks him to describe uh, what the kids look like. And he basically describes, you know, what gutter punks look like. Then she asks various punks about the gutter punks term. And talking to some of them about what they do, you know, piercings, a guy got his arm burned by a motorcycle Oh, yeah, you're talking about
0: the fucking really oogle-looking motherfuckers yeah, that are just, like, yeah. sitting there, and like, the guy's just, like, sitting there really strung out and stuff. Yeah.
1: And then we get a... Um, then we get... what I, I didn't know if they were going to this dude's house or if they were just getting random footage, but we basically get footage of what looks like homeless punk camps set to some punk rock, and then um, we meet this guy named uh, Eyeball. He is, yeah, with his band, the Resistance. Well, basically, we just got footage.
0: It's like, hey, let's just have like some B-roll footage. Of you guys just walking out. Yeah, yeah. We'll see all of you guys hanging out
1: and shit. Yeah, some cool shots. Then is it that's neat- literally what it was? Yeah. Then, as like I looked at it as because everyone's always making breakfast in this in these movies. So we get the homeboy eyeball from the <laughs> yeah. band, Res- the Resistance. Yeah, and he's making um he's making eggs. Um, which I thought was a neat little bookend because, you know, we're near the end of this movie now and someone's making eggs. Yep. And then, and we're know, like
0: showing the resistance, like this, like the garage where they practice at, but they're like at this person's house. It looks more house. like a
1: closet though. Dude,
0: but this fucking
1: house is a fucking hoarder house. There is so much fucking clutter oh and shit God, here. Oh my God, bro. Yeah, he lives with this woman named, I think her name was Mar- Mary or Marie. I think
0: it's one of the ba- his like bandmates is his
1: mom. Oh, okay. And then her name is Marge. Marge, okay. Um, yeah, he shows, oh yeah, he really quick, he tells us he got the name Eyeball because he sleeps with one eye open, I guess. And like,
0: when you hear him talk, it's like, he, he does have his like one eye acts like independently on its own. <laughs> it's still a trip, but like, he's totally cool, dude. Like, he's coming off as a cool dude. And
1: I was so mad because when he said his name was Eyeball, when he said he sleeps with one eye open, because my mind instantly thought, gripping your pillow tight. Wow. <laughs> Fucking myth- geek. So then he gives us a tour of the house. Like I said, then he shows us the garage, but I thought I legit, I thought it was just a big closet where they practice. You're telling me that was the garage. It was a garage or closet or wherever the fuck they practice in. So then um, we meet his bandmates. One of them, I could be, I think I heard this wrong. One of them called themselves the only actual street punk band in LA. Yeah, that's what he's saying. The singer said he's been squatting since he was 14. One guy says homeless punks live on the streets. I'm paraphrasing. He basically said homeless punks are homeless because of society. Like, there's a little more to it than that, but that's basically how you say it Whatever, Basically, the Van Resistance, they say the most... And then the he chief. predicts a massive class war happening.
0: Yes. Which, uh... He's not wrong.
1: No, well, He's super not wrong. Whatever. I was about to say it's like to it go 97 when he said this.
0: Yeah. So for me to establish why they said they're the most legit street punk band, it's like literally it's like all of them are like ones like actually strip homeless like sleeps around on the streets and the other ones hang out and freaking like do couch surfing the whole entire time. So yeah. if they're like saying we're the most legit street, legit street punk band in L.A. because freaking we're able to like play our music, but we're all pretty homeless for the most part.
1: And then, um, oh, excuse me. Then she asked them um, if they uh, would they get signed if they had the opportunity. Like, what if uh, someone from a record company wanted to sign them? And what I think the I think Eyeball is the one. He was basically like, eh. he was like, uh, he doesn't want to be a corporate puppet. Basically, like if he signed up, he wanted he wants to be able to say what he wants to say, have creative freedom, and all that. He says, um, he says, record companies and MTV are afraid of this kind of music. Eyeball says uh, this band is more important than his job and bitches. And then we see his girlfriend... That's what he says. Well, I know. Yeah, yeah. Freaking,
0: like, Larry basically is just saying, it's like, honestly, this band's just my main fucking <clears> thing. <throat> th- it's just, like, my main thing in life. It's the one thing I give a fuck about the most. And like then we, more than, like, freaking chicks are my shitty job. And then
1: we see his girlfriend getting kicked out of a show. Yep. Then he talks for a bit on how he loves strong women, wished women ran the world. And then he sings a song where the first line is, I just want to be your boot-licking boy. Girl, make no mistake. I want to be your toy. So, yeah, dude's a super-duper sub. Yeah, he's a total
0: simp for his fucking, like, <laughs> ass-whipping ass lady. Because,
1: like, they show them playing two or three songs, so unless it was all the same song, all the songs were about, like, just how he wants to basically get the shit kicked out of him sexually by a woman. Cool. I mean, hey, you know, ain't no shame in your kink, bro. Live your life. Um. Uh, oh, yeah, this was, like, the funniest part of the movie to me he talks about he has a phone sex job yeah it's like so
0: what do you do for work i work at a phone sex
1: and he gets a lot of guys because he's like and it sucks because i'm straight she's like you get a lot of guys he's like oh yeah i think that's what he mostly gets and then he specifically gets one guy who was apparently, like, 350 pounds, wanted to hit 500. So he would incorporate, like, food kinks sh- shit into their thing. And, you know, shit like, ooh, let's pour honey on us. or I thought he said at one point, let me roll you in Cheerios or yeah. something. Let me look it off your ass cheeks, bro. <laughs> that was that was funny. So we're back with that Dar- kink. So we're back with uh, Dar- Hold on. <clears throat> uh, actually, that would be considered a uh, food kink. <laughs> cool. So we're back with Darius. He's talking about a uh, car act- a drunken car accident, super gnarly car
0: accident. Uh, the ga- basically like him and a couple of his homies were got like ejected out of the car.
1: And then this actually made me go, <gasps> because uh, the camera zooms out. And then we see he's actually because he says, yeah, I broke my back. And then we see he's been in a wheelchair the whole time. Yep. So, yeah, he's fucking crippled. Then we go to then we go to a house that uh, this is his house. He says uh, it's his apartment that he's uh, he's able to pay for it because of welfare.
0: Yeah. So friggin. Well, yeah. Disability and also his parents also give him some like cash too.
1: there's a cast of kids. Uh, Most of them are the ones we've seen. Um, They're all hanging out. There's this one part where they all kind of pull a Jigglypuff and then write shit with a sharpie on this passed out chick.
0: Yeah, dude, like literally, like all the did this chick just had like this chick that was all passed out just had shit all written up to <laughs> yes. all written up her backside.
1: Notable moments during this are including a guy puking in a bathtub and then a woman saying she. Yeah, I, just has, wrote
0: down, I was like, dude, fuck this bathroom's super
1: fucking disgusting. This oh, place dude, is wrecked. I was feeling nauseous looking at it. That's like fuck, bro. And then there's one woman that says she has Taco Bell tattooed on her nipples. Yeah. Cool, dude. I think it's when the freaking director asked, like, so where are you guys eating? I don't know. Let's go.
0: Get, I got fucking Taco Bell, like, on my nipples. Let's go get some Taco Bell. <laughs> and then we just get a shot of fucking, like, we get, like, now we meet Steve, the homeboy. He He's like, like, hey, Steve, who are you? And all that stuff. He's like, he's chilling. He lives in a van and stuff, too. And then we get a shot of everyone just, like, sitting around just freaking munching down fucking french fries and
1: shit. Yeah, this is the first time we see the Steve guy. But, yeah, he seems like a pretty okay guy. She's trying to ask him all questions about various things. They're all kind of clowning around. Yeah. Yeah. And then,
0: then, like, Darius says his piece about, like, freaking, like, everyone at his pad and stuff. And everyone's like, oh, dude, Darius, you don't even understand how much we, like, freaking love you, man. And, like, so stoked that you're, like, letting us hang out here and everything. Ooh, Darius, you're the dude. (laughs) So then, like... We get to like, well, anything else you want to say before we go two months no, later? No, no.
1: I was just going to say, uh, yeah, you know, Darius is like, you know, says the usual stuff. This is my family. I love him. And uh, yeah. So yeah. Two months later. Two months later. We got so- Squid and Spoon going up to a shrine to force Steve's death. Yeah. The guy that we just met five minutes ago. Yeah. He's dead. He died. Yeah. In a, fu- in a squat fire. Little, I, I felt set. he didn't make it. Like Stevie, would, little, like
0: came off as a totally chilling dude, living on his van.
1: He uh, and then like couple, sh- <laughs> like later, like couple minutes later. So yeah, he's dead now. Little dog he had too, and then they. Um uh, you know, they're they're at the memorial. They're talking about we. Act, I think we actually see footage of the night it happened. Yes, yeah. I'm like it's more post because like
0: all the firemen are there and they're trying to get into the house and stuff. Right? Yeah, like yeah. all the like a bunch of punks are outside, just like all traumatized because like oh shit, there's a fire, and like oh shit, one of our homeboys Steve is in there and stuff too. And Squid's just trying to explain it. it's like, so wait, how, why didn't you get like, why didn't like Steve wake up? It's like, well, I try to wake him up and stuff too, but he was just so fucking hammered and drunk and stuff. Like I was just pounding on his chest, that Squid says and stuff. And freaking yeah, what caused the fire? It's like, well, there, we had a thing called a squat candle. We usually take like a can or a jar, fill it up with a bunch of wax. And like make just like a makeshift candle, so we have lighting in the place. But I guess got knocked over, set the place ablaze, and freaking yeah, no Squid was trying to wake up Stevie, but freaking not happening. So he eventually just grabbed all of the little shit he can and straight up just hopped out of the freaking like second story window and stuff. And yeah, Stevie had a freaking dog with him too, and the dog tried to escape, but most likely Stevie still had a grip on his collar and stuff. So freaking yeah, Stevie and his puppy, like the like they said, the most chillin' freaking squat dog, just freaking
1: up in a blaze. Pretty hardcore. Yeah, that was... Uh, oh, fuck. That made me... Uh, I watched that, and that shit just made my stomach drop. Um. Then, yeah. Then, and then we have a final roll call of the kids basically all saying that they have. Uh, they all feel they have no future. So where, are they you, no so where future. do you see yourself in five years? Oh, I'll be dead in five. The one guy says... Dead. One, one dead. Guy, she asked one guy. She's like, where do you think we'll be in 10 years? He's like, oh, I'll be dead. I'll be dead in five. Maybe doing they, the same shit. These kids all just... I thought all of them said they'd be dead, you know, and they're just... But it was,
0: like, one, like, why me is, like, you know what? Maybe I'll be a cook or something. One guy's, like, oh, hey, you look like you got hope in your eyes. Like, yeah, you know what? I do. And, like, who knows? Maybe time will happen where I can work and stuff, too. Yeah. I can't remember, like, the one guy with the freaking, like, cup on his freaking, like, leather jacket and stuff. He's, like, eh,
1: I'm not going to really look for work. But, you know, if work finds me, I'll I'll take it. Uh, I'll do it. Yeah, it was... Some dark shit, and then uh, and then right before the credits show, there's a thing that says how the proceeds for this movie are going to go to various charities for various things. Um, I think I think it was like shelters, things for abuse kids. Basically,
0: yeah, we get for like basically all our proceeds would go to either children
1: being abused or helping out the homeless and stuff. So the credits play. Oh, and there's one final kicker uh, after the credits play, we get a, a, a picture of Squid that says that uh, Squid was murdered. Yeah, stabbed like 20 times or something. And then we get a picture of Spoon, the girl we saw this whole movie. And it says, she is now awaiting trial for, for- the murder of Squid. Yeah. Freaking his, his like, girlfriend freaking killed him. Fuck.
0: Yeah, no, And freaking Squid actually had a kid. And the kid's still alive. And the this documentary is the only thing he has to actually know his dad. I got that from a podcast. So, yeah. Holy fuck. So, yeah, how'd you think of this documentary? Oh,
1: fuck. You know, when people... Come mister. I think uh, I'm going
0: to be an asshole right now. Mr. Evangelion boy always try to tell me it's deep, depressing moral themes. This, and is, stuff.
1: Real. Oh. Oh, this but is real. Re- oh. This is real stuff. Oh, reality is different. Bro, there was no fucking, like... There was no... Well, okay, there was Abuse Kids in Evangelion, but, like, there was no, like, fucking... There was no fucking drug addict, Uh, you know, just... There isn't this kind of shit in Evangelion, but Evangelion's a show. That's something that you project reality on and you can like, but, get as, as, depres- it.
0: but as depressive media though.
1: Well, I mean, this video excels greatly uh, at showing the fucked up uh, homeless situation of the youth in nineties, Los Angeles. So I commend and it's still, it for that. And like,
0: I'm going to tell you a spoiler. It still exists to this day. And that's like, there's, well, of course it does. It's going to be a constant cycle.
1: No, I I thought the documentary uh, was great. I thought it painted a great picture. I liked all these documentaries. I liked it. A, I, I liked. Hey, we still
0: them. got one more to go. It's not a
1: decline in title, but
0: it's called "We Sold Our Souls to Rock and Roll."
1: Oh, that other one she did. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: This one should bring up at least a little bit more back to the butt rock, like freaking egotistical shit. So don't worry, you won't have to end on a depressive note before we go into Brett Michaels. Unless you want to go into Brett Michaels right after this documentary,
1: bro. I want to stay away from Brett Michaels as long as I can. Well, this, we got- this month of not having to talk about Brett, no, like, oh wait, no, because we haven't talked about him since Daisy. So <coughs> before Daisy, so minus decline 2, Not having to watch something with Brett for like four months has been great.
0: Yeah, but we still got to <laughs> like, but we we, we got to eventually finish it. We don't just not not watch it. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, it's going to fucking suck, but freaking, yeah. Uh, Well, it's late, everyone. Unless we want to start talking about spooky stuff about time shifts and freaking UFOs and stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember my girlfriend was, like, sharing me, like, a video that was, like, NBC did it, like, a follow-up on this dude. That, like, was, like, this Navy, like, pilot and stuff that was, like, following a freaking, like, tic-tac UFO and shit where they have some footage and stuff. That was pretty tight. I don't know. Unless you want to talk about spooky shit, you want to wrap up this podcast? Anything else you want to say? I'm good. All right. I guess what? we we'll are listening to Ice Earth next time?
1: Well, I, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Did, 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 did let's you, just listen to it. Let's finish I up don't the, feel, something, the Something Wicked story. Yeah, I don't feel
0: disgusted yet. <laughs> Maybe after this one, if I'm really bored, I'll go like, fuck it, and Fuck it. But then when it's like, we got three more albums left. I yeah. think like I think I can make it, maybe. Okay. I think I can make it, maybe. I don't know.
1: Because I think the last two albums only have like ten songs.
0: Yeah, but they're still like an hour, almost an hour long.
1: Still an hour long, but at least it's not fucking nineteen.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Fucking nineteen's really dumb if you're trying to like friggin' uh, uh friggin' write down all the fucking songs. Other than that, this is the Doctor That Danger Radio Show with your host James and Edward. Have a good one.
1: Adios.